Open our eyes, Lord, that we might see. Open our ears that we might hear. Open our mind and our heart that we might understand, so that we will turn to you and live. Be strong. Take heart. Advent comes from the Latin word adventus, which means coming or appearing. And Advent is a time when we wait. We wait and we prepare for the coming, the appearing of Jesus. Like Israel, we recognize that we are waiting for the Messiah. The Messiah has come once, but the Messiah is now, we believe, coming again. And so Advent is all about time. It's how we live in our moment, in our time, with both hope and vigilance. Advent is a wake-up call to the truth that our days and our seconds and our years are not merely ticks on a calendar. They're not merely days that we fill with all of our dreams and our own devices, but rather that our very days are sacred because they are filled with God. All time now for us is holy time because God is present right in the middle of it. God is actively doing something. We are not the slaves of some impersonal history. Our time is not merely what we make of it. God is not just an innocent bystander to the real action of our lives. God acts in history. In Christ, God has acted and continues to act within our very days, our years, our hopes. One of the fears that I have most grappled with over the last decade or two of my life is precisely this fear that God actually isn't active, that God actually isn't present. Advent is always a time for me to come back and to proclaim along with you, along with God's people around the world, that this fear isn't true. That God has acted, that God is acting, and that God will act again. In Romans, when Paul says that now is the, this is the time, the word there is kairos. It can mean a lot of different things, but in these sorts of contexts, it usually means this is God's time. This is some moment of God's decisive action. I wonder how many of us enter Advent really hoping for some kind of decisive action from God. I wonder how many of us enter Advent thinking, oh no, <laughs> I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to hope for God's decisive action again because I've done that before and that's pretty painful. Because what do you do when God's decisive action does not line up with our need for decisive action? Well, one of the things we do is we continue the story. We return to it again and again and we recognize that God's action is present all around us. 
and we hope and pray that that action would be for us what we need, even if it's not what we believe that we need. So the time is God's time. It's a moment where God is acting in decisive ways. And Paul is referencing here how God in Christ has acted in the middle of our history. But what are we to do with that? What are we to do with this proclamation that God is active? Well, the first thing we're to do is to love. Right before these verses, Paul told us the only thing that we're to owe anyone is love. Owe no one anything except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. But what is needed if we're to really love? What is needed if we're to really allow our hope to be buoyed in the middle of a lot of pain, a lot of dismay? Well, Paul tells us that we have to wake up. You know that what time it is, how now it is the moment for you to wake from sleep, to wake up from our slumber, to wake up to the fact that God is acting, that a new reality has been set in motion, that everything has changed and everything is, in fact, changing, that love has been let loose in the world, that we have been released to true life, that we're no longer enslaved to darkness and night, but have been released into the brightness of God's new day, that it's time to, to wake up to what's real. I love the way J.B. Phillips translates this. He says, to wake up to reality, to wake up to what is actually true in the world. And what is actually true in the world isn't often the things that most plague our mind and most take up all of our energy, that there is a truth happening that's often outside of some of what we are experiencing. You know what it's like to wake up in the middle of the night, like totally disoriented? Maybe when a kid was little and you heard the screaming, or with us these days is when a dog is... Um, doing stuff, and um, you wake up, and you're totally, if you've been in a deep sleep, and you're just totally disoriented, and you're like bumping into things, and you jam your toe, and you let out a word that you shouldn't say, and, and it's just like, I remember my, when I was a little uh, younger in high school, my, my dad used to say, boy, you could sleep through a, through a robbery, and he, would, he, he said, I mean, anything could happen. A train would come through here, and you would never wake up, and it's like in our lives, so many times, we can be living as if we're totally asleep, totally lost to the reality of God around us. And following Jesus is a long experience of becoming more and more awake. Advent is when we become attentive enough to see God appearing now, everywhere, in everything. Mary Oliver says that attention is the beginning of devotion. So during Advent, there's a couple things I'm going to try to do. Uh, oftentimes, I bless my sons before they go to sleep. But now that they're going to sleep later than I do, that's gotten more difficult. <laughs> but uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, when I bless them this month, I'm going to really try to look into their eyes, really see them. On most nights during Advent, I'm going to try to walk out into our back porch and look up into the sky and take in the beauty and the vastness and the stars and the grandeur, and, and I'm going to say thank you. 
being attentive, paying attention. Because salvation, Paul says, is nearer than when we first believed. In Scripture, salvation is not just a past action. Salvation is something that's always coming to us. We always need to be saved. We always need God's mercy. In an Advent, we grow awake to how God is here with us, with you, in you, among one another. And yet we're also waiting for salvation. We're also waiting for God's fullness, for God's healing. We're also waiting for those things that have been torn asunder, both inside us and around us. And we're waiting for that time where they'll be mended again and made whole. Adele Calhoun says that waiting is one of God's immensely sweeping invitations. To wait expectantly and with open hands requires a relinquishment of control that gets at the roots of our motivations, fears, and idols. It's where we learn that God isn't a genie, and happiness is not a, ma a matter of God meeting our expectations. While we wait, we sense the naked vulnerability of trust. No matter how disciplined, organized, and prayerful we get, we never outgrow God's invitation to wait. The learning curve is lifelong. And this waiting and this waking up, this is not some easy thing. This is not for the faint of heart. It's the daring path of walking through and past death and darkness and into light. It's the hard work of waking up. Waking up means that our, our waiting is not languid. We're not twiddling our thumbs. We shake off the slumber. We, say, we shake off the ways of death and ruin. We throw off all those deeds of darkness, the, the, the grave clothes that don't fit us anymore. All of the things, the envy, the anger, the drunkenness, the sexual immorality, the fighting, the, the greed, the, the ways that we war with one another, we, we shake that all off because it doesn't fit us. And God, in Advent of our lives, calls us to walk into new life. We're to confront the darkness, to push back the death. The armor of light is the way Paul puts it in this passage. And this armor is not just defensive. It's like what you wear when you go into battle. That in Advent, we're not just sort of passively sitting back, but we're actually engaging our life and our world. We're stepping into it, even as we're waiting. And isn't that a strange thing to do? We're waiting, knowing that it will not be fully made right, and yet we're stepping into our life. We're stepping into our pain, our places of brokenness, our sinfulness, these places where we're desperate for God to help us. And this is going to disrupt us. Coming awake will always disrupt us. There's a, a, a family, a, a mother and father, and they uh, lost a child at 9-11. And the day after 9-11, they were interviewed by a, a, a news person and caught on, on film. And the guy was asking about their daughter who died in one of the towers. And he was struggling in the interview. And at some point, he didn't know what else to say, it seemed like. He started sort of in hemming and hawing, and then he said, well, um, I'm sure that this weekend you will 
you will meet with uh, uh, people of faith in, in your, your house of worship and that you will find some kind of consolation in that. And the, the mom looked at him and said, oh no, we won't be going to church this week because we're actually Christians. And we're really aware right now of what Jesus says about loving your enemies. And we're not ready for that. It'll be a little while before we want to see Jesus. There's a lot of pain there, but there is someone there who really grasped what it means to follow Jesus and be awake in the world. And then it actually is going to be costly. I think it's a really sane response to say, I recognize the cost and I'm not ready for that yet. But it's not a very sane response to say that this isn't going to cost me anything. Because to follow Jesus, to be awakened to God's action in the world, to believe that God has acted in Christ and will act again, that God is acting now and that our hope is in that is a disruptive reality. And the good news is that it disrupts our our loneliness. It disrupts our hurts. It disrupts our selfishness. It disrupts our greed. It disrupts our isolation. It disrupts everything. But as we come awake, what we find in that awakened place is a powerful and potent love that will hold us and sustain us and carry us and heal us. And this is a way that we can begin Advent together is by leaning in to that hope with one another. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.